This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Jimmy Dore Show, The Progressive, This Week in Blackness Radio, Media Matters, The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, Le Show, and The Rachel Maddow Show. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode doesn't contain anything that might offend you. Proceed without caution. This week, the Supreme Court ruled in a landmark 5-4 to four decision that President Obama's health care law was constitutional. Republicans everywhere were shocked that Chief Justice Roberts would uphold a law that helps people he's never even had dinner with. <laughs> the court's key ruling was that the individual mandate is a tax, which only enraged conservatives that even one Republican would vote for a tax increase. Why did Roberts break with the Supreme Court's long tradition of doing everything they can to help Romney? <laughs> Roberts' conservative colleagues on the bench complain bitterly that nowhere in the Constitution does it even mention free birth control for women. But now, in response to Obama's victory, Romney may now have to come out even more strongly in favor of people getting sick and keeping it to themselves. <laughs> Meanwhile, the president still has to sell Obamacare to skeptical voters who don't approve of a law which forces them to buy a product that's absolutely necessary that they were planning to buy anyway... <laughs> And which is impossible for the average person to understand who's never bothered to read anything about it. Although the decision may help Obama win re-election, it, it may also fuel conspiracy <coughs> theories. This was all part of his master plan to destroy our country by helping gays and Mexicans live longer. <laughs> <laughs> On a personal note, after many years of going without health insurance, I'm looking forward to going without health insurance for only another year and a half. <laughs> Maybe. In the winter night sky, ships are sailing. Looking down on these bright blue city lights. And they won't wait, and they won't wait, and they won't wait. We're here to stay, we're here to stay, we're here to stay. The Supreme Court's monumental 5-4 health care decision is a welcome and surprising development. Surprising, especially because Chief Justice John Roberts joined the four liberal justices, as he did in the Arizona SB 1070 ruling. Looks like the chief is no longer a slam dunk for the right wing on every single issue. In practical terms, the upholding of health care reform is a huge relief for millions of Americans. For parents like me who've got kids between the ages of 21 and 26, we can rest assured that our children won't be bereft of health care. Parents of children with pre-existing conditions can rest assured that they suddenly won't have to watch helplessly as their kids' conditions deteriorate when they could actually be cured. 105 million Americans who could have been cut off because they might reach their lifetime limits under their insurance policies will also remain safely insured. And millions of Americans who are availing themselves today of free preventive health care screenings will still be able to get checked without charge. The health care reform law isn't perfect, and it keeps the private insurance companies in the money. But killing it would have caused grave human suffering. And politically, the court's ruling is not just a boost to President Obama. More importantly, it's a setback to the rabid right, which has barked itself hoarse over this issue. Now they'll have to find another bone to chew on. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. Today on Twib Radio, ha 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 ha. Am I supposed to read all this? You're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to say ha. You're supposed, ha. To, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be laughing. Ha 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 ha. How does that taste, son? No, that's not what, sir. You're supposed to go. 
That was what you were supposed to do. <laughs> That's what you were supposed to do. All this and more with Team Blackness on Twitter Radio. So this morning, when the, when, when the whole the whole thing, like I said, is about this individual mandate. So boom, the idea that forced people to do it, and they said that the, the, the initial idea was that they could do it because uh, they could control interstate commerce, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Congress can uh, do that, and they were saying, well, no, you can't do that. Like, like, what's the limit of this? Or is this a power grab? Blah blah blah. And so they actually, the Supreme Court said they would not allow it as a commerce, uh, uh, as interstate commerce, yeah. but they would allow it as a tax. And that as a tax, it is reasonable, and they would allow the individual mandate. So the individual mandate stands, and that right there is where the GOP lost their ever-loving mind. (laughs) Because the fact is, they're hurt. They're hurt about this. This is not what they wanted. The fact is that the Supreme Court co- totally co-signed Obama, and they couldn't have imagined with a uh, with a uh, uh, a conservative-leaning Supreme Court that they would uh, co-sign Obama, and they did. So now it's like, well, what can we do? Literally, Lindsey Graham got on television and was like, "It's not about health care." What, <laughs> sir? That's that's literally the entire argument here. Like, we're talking about health care. It's not about health care. It's about taxes. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> really? 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 Really, Graham? And by the way, I've said it before, I'll say it again. So, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham's voice sounds like oppression. Like, it just sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like a whites only water fountain. Like, every time he talks, like, I can't, like, I, I I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm trying to talk about people with southern accents, cause it's like this, I know people with southern accents I'm totally comfortable with. There are some southern accents though, that sound like I should be getting them some iced tea, <laughs> quietly, and then go back out to the field. Like, that's what I feel like he, he sounds like, and he was literally freaking out. Uh, about, about this, and it's all about the taxes. And he's not the only one. The right wing doesn't know what to do. Apparently, uh, Glenn Beck was just crying this morning, <laughs> which is hilarious. And then Rush Limbaugh. And we, the American people, have just been deceived in ways that nobody contemplated. <laughs> and what we now have, what we now have is the biggest tax increase in the history of the world. Wait, what? What we have been told by the Chief Justice of the Supreme <laughs> the world? Court. Run that back, you the court. The, uh, Sir, the biggest tax increase in the it's world! In the world! Ever! The <laughs> <laughs> world! He's the biggest tax increase in the world! I mean, my lord! I was telling you, that is irresponsible journalism right there, by the way. <laughs> Okay, I think I, I'm gonna pass out because the fact is the the hysterics that they're going through right now is is actually hilarious because it's like you guys realize that it's just everything you're just saying it just isn't right right now. Like it's not about a question of your viewpoint on things. It's not about framing. It's about literally you're just lying and you don't know what to do. So you're screaming to the top of your lungs a complete and utter lie and you just happen to know that people will go along with it and that our media is idiotic enough that they will actually float your lies. They won't actually, we don't have a competent media, uh, a media that will actually go, well, actually, technically, that's actually not true at all. Um, maybe you should really realize, like, actually, we did some, uh, fact checking on this, and actually, we're not gonna go along with your talk, your talking points right now. Um, <laughs> like, they won't do it. Our media won't do that. They will sit there and kinda go, and Lindsey Graham says, this is the biggest tax increase. <laughs> They'll just go along with whatever he says. Obamacare is just a massive tax increase. That's all it is. Obama lied to us about that. He lied. The Democrats lied. It wasn't a tax. There was no way it was a tax. The Chief Justice was hell-bound, hell-bent to find a way to make this law applicable. So he just decided, you know what? As a tax increase, it works because there's no limit on the federal government's ability to tax. Wait, so... That's just not right. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just not right. Here's what happens. In the Supreme Court, if... If the Supreme Court can find an act of Congress constitutional, it has to find the act of Congress constitutional. So if they weren't going to uphold it as a as part of the Commerce Clause, but it was viable under the taxing power, then the court was bound to do that. That's what I mean. That's just the law. I mean, I don't know. I just went to law school and all, so maybe Rush Limbaugh or something. I don't know. But uh, I'm just going to have to call uh, Bullpucky. 
that. Yeah. That's just nonsense. Yeah. Obviously, Rush Limbaugh, what you're hearing is a mental breakdown. Like, you guys think that my laughing is a mental breakdown. No, no. My laughing is joy and happiness at mocking these people. They are having a meltdown. And what else do you do when people are having a meltdown? Laugh at them. Laugh. Laugh at them. <laughs> like, you guys are lucky that the first half hour of this show wasn't just me laughing. <laughs> All right? Like, just flat out. But I actually want to, I want to actually sit there and actually uh, uh, have more of a conversation uh, about this. Because, uh, like, we have our lawyer uh, here. And I actually want to call uh, – I think we're going to uh, call in uh, 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 David Lyle, who was on earlier this week, because uh, I, I, want, I want more facts. <laughs> I want facts on facts on facts. Because the idea of the tax here is the most hilarious part. And the thing is, I don't understand why everyone didn't immediately just stop when they started yelling about taxes and go, actually, this is not a tax. Yes, it was ruled that uh, that that, that uh, interstate commerce law was not how you could do this. You could not push down an individual mandate via that. But what you could do, what you could do, is make it a tax. But it's not a it's not a tax or, or, or increase on Americans. What it is is a tax penalty. You can have a tax penalty. That's not raising tax on middle class Americans. Like on Fox News, literally, they'd be like, "So if you're making fifty thousand dollars." And, uh, and and when this goes in a place, that'll be a $500 tax on you. Actually, if you're making $50,000, there might be a solid chance that you have health insurance. Just real talk. It's not... It's not like that. I don't know what you, you mean. Like, you probably have health insurance. So, and, oh, and by the way, if you have health insurance, guess what doesn't happen? Nothing. Nothing happens if you have health insurance. Nothing. But we're all going to die. Oh, I mean, because it's a socialist rule? Yeah. Because we're all, I think, sh- something about Sharia law. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. And, um, socialism, and I think we're all gonna have to wear berets, maybe. The biggest tax increase in a, 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 ever in the world. In the world. In the world. The biggest tax increase in the world, except for the fact it's not a tax increase. People's taxes won't really actually be affected. I believe they, did they say 250 million people already have in health insurance? They, I believe Obama when he when Obama came out he said that 250 people already uh, already have health insurance and because they have health insurance guess what nothing changes for you meaning that your taxes doesn't go up. <laughs> where, where, where do I live? Like by the way I was I was watching um when I was watching Fox News have you ever like gone away like traveling or something like that and you turn on the news where you are and you're like what the hell is happening here what is this. Like, I, I, I don't know that this, this is like such crazy. It seems foreign to you because it is foreign. That is what it is to watch Fox News in, uh, uh, in America. I was literally watching on the news stations. It was all like, okay, at least within a vein of what might actually be happening. And then I turn to Fox News and they're just sitting there going, no, no, no taxes. This is the biggest, the biggest tax increase in the world. The, and by the way, that's the talking point. Be prepared to hear that a lot. And it's right there in the preamble of the Constitution, right there, Article 1, Section 8, General Welfare Clause. It's been established. Congress can tax whatever, whoever, whenever, how much they want. And this just goes to, sh- even when they don't ask for it, the Supreme Court is going to find a way to make what they want to do legal. Because John Roberts said, it's not, it's not our job here to forbid this. Oh, but that's it's just a- constitutional law, man. <laughs> what is he talking about? That's the way it works. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. The Supreme Court has upheld the Affordable Care Act, commonly known as Obamacare, as valid under the U.S. Constitution. Right-wing media figures immediately began venting on Twitter. Fox News radio reporter Todd Starnes said, quote, We are now living in occupied America. One Breitbart.com editor compared the court's opinion to the 1857 Dred Scott decision. Sarah Palin tweeted, quote, Obama lies, freedom dies. And Rush Limbaugh said the following. The mandate's unconstitutional, but the court has decided it's a tax. And therefore, it's okay. So Obamacare is nothing more than the largest tax increase in the history of the world. What has been upheld here is fraud. And the Internal Revenue Service has just become Barack Obama's domestic army.
Well, listen to this. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's a, a Republican from Kentucky, he was on the Chris Wallace show, Fox News Sunday, and he was asked by Chris Wallace, how will the Republican Party, which wants to repeal Obamacare, as, you, as you're saying you will do, how will you cover uninsured Americans? And twice he refused to answer, basically saying it's not the issue. Well, I love that it's not the issue for him, for his political games, but it is the issue to the people that aren't going to have health care. Here's Mitch McConnell. One of the keys to Obamacare is that it will extend insurance access to 30 million people who are now uninsured. In right. your replacement, how would you provide universal coverage? Well, first let me say the single best thing we could do for the American uh, health care system is to get rid of Obamacare. Okay, stop it right there. Let's go through this analyzing the, the tactics that these guys are trained with for media training. What he's done right now is instead of first answering the question at its face, he's restating the best thing we can do is repeal Obamacare. So he's, he's reestablishing the talking point, okay? Right. Let's continue. Get rid of the half a trillion dollars in Medicare cuts. Get rid of the half a trillion dollars in taxes. In other words, the single biggest step we could take in the direction of improving American health care is to get rid of this but, but if I may, sir, you're Okay, so Chris Wallace is interrupting to ask again. The, the best question there from Chris Wallace would be, how would doing that specifically improve the health care of America? Mm -hmm. That's the question that you put in there. We don't get that question, but that's okay. We get another question from Chris Wallace, which is, hey, you're not answering my question. Let's see. About repeal and replace, uh, not, how, not, how would you provide universal coverage? <laughs> I'll get to it in a minute. Right. The first, big, the first step we do... Don't rush me. I need to recite more talking points, Chris. Please, I'll get to your question in a minute. ...need to take is to get rid of what's there. This job-killing proposal that has all of these cuts to existing health care providers. Secondly, we need to go step by step to replace it with more modest reforms. There will not be a 2,700-page Republican alternative. Right. So here we're getting into this idea. This is the Republican meme that small government. If, if there's a lot of pages, by definition, it's a bad bill. It should be repealed. It's socialist. Obama is a left-handed law professor. That that's what they do. They write a lot of pages. You know what I'm saying, Lewis? It's it's following that meme. We need less pages. That's what we need. We will not take a meat axe to the American healthcare system. We will pull out a scalpel and go step by step and make the kinds of, of more modest changes that would deal with the principal issue, which is cost. Things like interstate uh, sales of health insurance. Right sure. now, you don't have uh, competition around the country in the selling of health insurance. That's a mistake. Things okay, eventually, we finally get to the question once again from Chris Wallace. Here we go. And doctors in defensive but, but, but respectfully, sir, Those kinds we are, we are beginning to, we're going to run out of time, and I just want to ask what... Yeah, we're, you've been filibustering my question for two minutes now, and we're actually, the segment's ending. The program will end because you've been filibustering for so long. What about answering the question? Specifically, yeah. are you going to do to provide universal coverage to the 30 million people who are uninsured? That, that is not the issue. The question is, how can you go step by step to improve the American health care system? It is already the finest health care system in the world. Incorrect, God. But you don't what, think the 30 what they, million... What our friends on the other... You no, don't think the 30 million the people who are uninsured is an issue? Let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to turn... Classic. This guy's doing everything that is... On the, you get asked the question... What a clown. What better way to waste time than to list things you're not going to do? Especially Incredible. when you know there's a time limit, you can just filibuster and never have to answer yeah, the question. Yeah, I mean, it's like, that's, you just keep listing things you aren't going to do. Listen, we are not going to turn control of health care over to rhesus monkeys. We are not going to let Neil deGrasse Tyson manage health care from lower Earth orbit in a personal spacecraft. We're not going to use kryptonite instead of Advil as an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory, Chris. We're just not going to do any of those He's things. He's also not going to make sure that those 30 millions are insured. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, because you were telling us you weren't going to turn over health care control to monkeys, we're now out of time. Sorry. You, you know, honestly, I really, I mean, it kind of sucks because people don't really know who Mitch McConnell is. But if people did recognize him, then Obama for his campaign in November could just run that thing and just say, what are you going to do to insure 30 million Americans? That's not the issue. Yeah, just no, keep on running that on a loop. That should be loop, no question about it. So, you know what? Brilliant filibustering from Mitch McConnell, but that's, that's the real issue. It's not the issue to him. And he said before, the m number one priority is getting Obama out of office.
Lewis, what would you say is the number one reason people should tune into the David Pakman show if they like Jay Tomlinson's Best of the Left podcast? I mean, I see it completely differently from, from someone who's just watching it. Yeah, well, but if I was asking someone else's opinion for the promo... I don't even watch our show, so how can I answer that question? I do not watch our show. So Lewis is, isn't even a fan of the show. <laughs> Maybe the answer is Lewis doesn't actually like Can you this be show. a fan of the show? I mean, are you? Can, is, isn't that kind of stupid to be a fan of your own show? I'm a huge fan of this show. <laughs> of course. That's like being a fan of yourself. You're like a narcissist. What, do you put pictures up of yourself at home, too? Well, if that doesn't make you curious... I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Okay, uh, news coverage of the health care decision by the Supreme Court today. I was watching Fox News, and Fox News, you know, it says news right in their title, so you know mm. you're getting the news. And here so we, you like things pre-spun before they get to you. Yeah, yes, I do. Well, <laughs> you don't like having to spin it yourself. Here's a perfect example, Paul, of why people who watch Fox News end up knowing less than people who watch no news at all. Okay, here's how they covered it. We have breaking news here on the Fox News channel. The individual mandate has been ruled unconstitutional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they cut to the NASA uh, people, like, shaking hands and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So let's go. Let's go over to CNN. Here's how CNN covered it. By the way, just in case, I'm sure you all know. By the time you listen to this, uh, the health care bill was not struck down. It was. Yes. It was not uh, it's exactly the opposite of what they just said. The exact opposite happened. Yes, they said it was constitutional to use it as a tax. Okay, instead of okay. And here's how CNN handled it. Appears as if the Supreme Court justices have struck down the individual <laughs> mandate, the centerpiece of the health care legislation. I'm going to hop back on this phone to try to get more information for you and bring it right to you, Wolf. Okay, if you give me some more, some more of that good information. <laughs> The good information was you're fired. And how, about, how about you wait five seconds until you know for sure? Turn to page two. You, can, you yeah, might find out. You can't, no kidding. You can't wait five. So you can't read the next sentence where it said, although we find it's not in keeping with the Commerce Clause. Oh, my God, it's gone. It's all over. Maybe the information is being read on a teleprompter by Al Sharpton. And that's why it's coming in so slowly. Okay, here's how Wolf responded to her saying that. Wow, that's a dramatic moment. Uh, if in fact... Yes. Very dramatic. Yeah, it's, dr it's dramatic because you guys just gave the wrong information. It's, it's a fictional moment, too. Dramatic, but not for the reasons why he thinks it's dramatic. This is the end of your career. That's why it's dramatic. It was the most exciting news moment since uh, Al Gore won Florida. <laughs> I'm coming to terms. I'm starting to learn. This ain't cracked up to be. I love how Fox frames things, right? So they bring on a panel of doctors to talk about health care. You're going to be surprised to find out it turns out the doctors didn't like health care reform. The doctors that Fox News selected right. to come on and make these points, pretending as if they represent all the doctors in the world, right. and then they're going to make these wonderful points. Watch. Right now we know that 15,000 doctors, we're short about 15,000 primary care doctors. By 2025, estimates are that 160,000 more doctors will be needed just to help handle the excess uh, numbers of patients that will be included in this plan. So there's a doctor shortage, Dr. Lee. <laughs> there, there is a doctor shortage. Breaking news. Emergency. <laughs> Panic. And if we actually... Call Gene Schmidt. I, I love that argument. Because if we actually cover all Americans or most Americans with this health care reform, we won't have enough doctors. Right. And you're going to run out of doctors for right. you because we got to actually cover other Americans and the poor people. No, no, no. Fight each other. Fight each and other for what, the doctors. Then why aren't they, you know, by connection saying that this bill is a job creator, right? Well, look at all the doctors. We're going to hire 
can hire. We can hire a ton of thousand doctors, three office staff. Right. Each we're already up to seven hundred and fifty thousand. That's huge. Million and a half. Thank jobs God, right President there. Obama created all these jobs. But in case that was too Brilliant. subtle, they're going to make it clear. Right now, doctors are in a big rush to see patients. I mean, if you have the average practice, the physician doesn't spend as much time with the patient as he or she used to. I think we've all experienced that. It's You've like in and out, in Absolutely. and out. Oh, wait a minute, stop, And, and stop. patients don't like that. They want to take time with their physicians. Stop, because you're in my house now, okay? Uh -huh. So this guy is saying, we don't like it because doctors don't have enough time to spend with patients. And yet there hasn't been Obamacare yet. So Obamacare can't be the cause of that. What is the cause of that? Oh. Insurance companies saying, I will only pay you $55 for this visit, so to meet your overhead, you have to see five patients an hour. He's making the argument against his very point. So this is the kind of, you know, insurance, and, and later they say, well, you know, uh, we don't like other people making decisions for how we treat healthcare. What do you think insurance companies do a, thousand, a million times a day? They say, no, Jack can't have that test because we won't pay for it. So it, it's a shell game. It's so phony. By the way, if you don't have enough time, then it might not be wise to go on Fox News. Go treat some of so your patients. Okay. <laughs> right, right. If you're running out of here. Okay, but, but, but in all seriousness, the whole point of this is fight each other. Oh my right. God, there's a shortage yeah. of doctors, and what you gotta do is, if you want your doctor to s treat your kids, make sure the poor don't get health care coverage. I mean, if they're in middle class, make sure they don't get it. Right. You know, there's a poor woman interviewed by the New York Times, I don't mean poor financially, I mean like, because she's misguided. And they ask her, hey, do you care, do you like the health care plan? She says, oh no, I hate it, they're gonna mandate, they're gonna make me pay, and I, I don't have the money, I don't have insurance, and I don't have the money, and I don't wanna pay it. And it turns out she makes $37,500 a year, and she would actually get free health care insurance under President Obama's plan, one that she explains she desperately needs. So they've convinced her that she's actually with the working Americans and the affluent, et cetera, and that the poor would rob her, when in fact she would get free insurance that she desperately needs. Yeah. But, and, and they're not done yet. Here's the doctors again pressing the same point. But Dr. Siegel, I still don't understand, how does the health care law impact that? Because the health care law adds many, many more regulations, guidelines, and observations about what's good care and what isn't, coming from committees that are making recommendations, even as we sit here. This week it was about obesity. U.S. Preventative Services Task Force says we should be doing counseling for obesity. Every time one of those guidelines comes in, if it gets adopted by insurance, if it gets adopted by the Independent Medicare Advisory Board, which is part of Obamacare, if that happens, then doctors get told how to practice. We don't like getting told how to practice. Word to America, do not go see Dr. Siegel for anything because he's a lousy diagnostician. <laughs> so, he, so oh, we're not supposed to, doctors, would you mind like if you have, for a morbidly obese patient come in, like for example, Rush Limbaugh, mind saying to him, lay off the Pop-Tarts fat cell while you're at it because it's clinically proven that that degrades his health and therefore costs the entire system more. No, doctors don't like being told what to do. Uh, no, no, and, and, the, and the human body tells doctors what to do. That's what they're listening to. And if somebody's eating not too many... Siegel. No, well, yeah, if somebody's <laughs> eating too many Pop-Tarts, it's not the government telling Siegel to tell him to stop eating Pop-Tarts. It's Siegel, the doctor, who took a Hippocratic Oath to say, hey, bud, lay off the, the Pop-Tarts. Not, not necessarily, because we've got a system where if Siegel's a cardiac surgeon, he's going to make money well, uh, that, you well, know, that's true. cleaning I mean, out the arteries of yeah. that obese patient. It's not in his financial interest. I would have loved to have seen Siegel in medical school. They're like, all right, now this is how you make the incision. You don't, you're not going to tell me what to do, man. I'm not going to make the incision yeah, like the, that. Give me the thread. Okay. And my God, if he's doing all that paperwork, he doesn't t have time for your kids. Right. And you see what Obama... What's weird is that they your found... fat kids. Right. They found three doctors... And they all happen to despise the health care reform. Really weird, huh? That's weird. And they're on the A-team. They're on Fox Medical's A-team. I don't okay. understand it. And Megyn Kelly's just asking innocent questions. Dr. Siegel, I don't understand. Explain it to me why it's so bad. She lives with a broken mind. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as 
$5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. From CPR, Continental Public Radio, the President's Weekly Address. And now, the President Weekly. This week, the Supreme Court gave an early Fourth of July surprise to the American people when a majority of the justices upheld the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. Now, of course, as somebody who used to teach constitutional law, I wasn't surprised. After all, the only laws or executive orders I might sign that might not be constitutional are kept secret. So we have a lot of parts of the Affordable Care Act to celebrate this Independence Day. And since most of them won't go into effect until at least 2014, I thought I'd spend a few minutes reminding you of what you might soon be grateful for. For one thing, millions of Americans who today can't afford health insurance will soon be covered by expanded state Medicaid plans. Unless the states decide not to expand their plans, which we very much hope they won't decide not to do. Millions of others will be able to choose their insurance plans from exchanges set up by the states, unless the states decide not to set up the exchanges, in which case we'll do it for them. Unless the Supreme Court in a future case decides we can't do that, which we very much hope they won't decide. If you've got a youngster under 26, you'll continue to have him or her covered by your health plan unless your insurance company rewrites your policy to exclude dependents which, of course, we really, really hope they won't do. And if you have a pre-existing condition, you'll continue to enjoy your freedom from being discriminated against by insurance companies unless, to compensate themselves for covering you, they raise premiums for everybody else, which we kind of know they will do, in which case we hope we can figure out a fix later on. You know, as I'm sure our opponents will remind you along the way this year, there was a time when I wasn't convinced the individual mandate was a good idea. So we didn't promise you that during the 2008 campaign. But in a larger sense, the victory we enjoyed this week means that we've delivered exactly what we did promise during that campaign year. Hope. Have a great 4th of July. Funds for this broadcast came from the Dick and Dorothy Fromson Foundation for live coverage of pre-taped speeches. Uh, asked uh, our uh, our friend from the uh, court matters, uh, David Lyle, to actually come back again. But, uh, he came on about immigration earlier this week, but we wanted to talk about the health care reform today. Sir, are you there? I am. Thanks sir, for having me back. No problem, sir. Because I we, we're we're talking about the the huge right wing talking point that immediately they figured out that was the only thing they could really hang on this, uh, and that is tax, 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 and that this is a big tax and that the Democrats lied because this is a big tax. I was making the argument that this is clearly not a tax. I mean, it is a tax, but it's a penalty tax, not raising taxes on Americans. Am I insane? No, you're not. It's, it's in fact, it's a very small fee that will only apply to the very small number of people um, who, first of all, uh, have enough money to afford health insurance uh, and choose not to have it. And they can the the fee has a cap. It's capped at two and a half percent of uh, of of income. So it's it's it can't be large, and it will not apply to large numbers of people. Right, because if, if I if, like I said, I just want I want to be clear because like I, I was sitting there. I am not a, uh, a constitutional scholar, nor am I a lawyer, but I, I thought I was someone with common sense. And listening to what what was being said, it was like, okay, cool. So one. This isn't a big tax increase because one, it's not a tax increase at all. This is a tax penalty, and 
and uh, this only affects you if you don't have insurance. So it's not even for the all Americans. It's like 250 million Americans have ta- uh, have insurance already, so they don't actually have anything happening to them at all. Is that correct? That's right. And That's so, right. If you ha- if you have insurance already. This is, it's a complete non-event. Nothing happened. Nothing um, happened. So 250 and, and, million Americans, nothing happened to them today. That's right. And, and if you don't have insurance and you want insurance, uh, it's great news because all of the, now the ban on pre-existing conditions so that the insurance companies can't deny you coverage because, um, you, you've already been sick. That, that's now safely in effect. And if you want coverage and uh, you don't have enough money to pay for it, there is the the Affordable Care Act provides all kinds of uh, help so that you will be able to afford coverage. Again, the only people who need to be thinking about this penalty at all is if you have enough money to buy coverage and you decide you don't want to because you want the rest of us to pay for your coverage for your health care once you get sick. Then yeah, you are going to have to pay a small penalty. And 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 because because it actually is the case, this like I was about to say, this feels really really conservative in this way. It wasn't like hey everyone just hey everyone we should just get along and just pay for everything. This is actually like saying hey you shouldn't get away with not paying for anything. While and then also when you get sick, I have to pay for you. That seems like a conservative ideal that we that we well, all have to go into this and you and you have to pay your way and just everyone is okay. I don't. I'm confused as to why, like, Lindsey Graham is freaking out, and people are crying, and people are now moving away from America <laughs> based on the fact that most of us w- won't even be affected, and the people who are affected actually will be affected for the better. And then, uh, apparently, they did the, they were doing the math. They said probably about 4 million people will, will in fact, not uh, take up health insurance after all of this. 4 million right. people. I, th- I think that's kind of on the high number in Massachusetts, whereas I think we all know... Uh, an essentially identical law uh, has been passed. I think it's less than one percent of of uh, people have chosen to uh, pay the pay the fee. I I'm I'm so confused here. So okay, so the one thing that uh, I I do think is a little bit more confusing because uh, this is something that Fox News is really trying to hammer right now is the uh, Medicaid aspect of things, this, uh, 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 federal versus state on uh, on how people are going to be brought on to Medicaid. Could you explain that a little bit? Well, so what the what the court did there is it said, uh, Chief Justice Roberts said. That, uh, so what, what, what the Affordable Care Act does is it, it greatly expands Medicare, uh, makes many more people, uh, basically in the, who would fall under the category of the working poor, uh, eligible for Medicare. And it said that what the, the law said to the states was, um, either you, you don't have to take this money for the Medicare expansion, Medi- I'm sorry, Medicaid expansion. You don't have to take the money for the Medicaid expansion. However, uh, if you if you don't, you can lose all of your Medicaid funding, and uh, because that's that's been the way Medicaid has always worked. It's that you can states have a choice about whether they take the money, but if they take it, they take it on the terms the the federal government is is offering. They don't get to come up with their own deal they would rather have. Right. Um, so what what the Supreme Court did, and I think this is something that's a little bit uh, worrisome for the future. This is something that if the court keeps coming back to the conservatives on the court keep keep coming back to this idea, um, it could cause problems. But so what the, what the court said was, you can't do it that way. What, what you can do is you can say, here's the additional money to expand Medicaid coverage. Uh, if you take it. You have to use it the way we said, but if you choose not to take it, uh, the the federal government cannot take away the rest of the state's Medicaid funding. Which is interesting it's, because, uh, I, I, if I understand this correctly, this uh, the, the 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 federal government uh, ties things to uh, to certain expectations all the time when they're giving money to the states. That's right. That's right. No, it, it's it's that's been very well settled law and i think the court uh the five conservatives chief justice roberts is still a conservative even if he uh did uh have the correct uh, interpretation on on the um on the affordable on the mandate um, so 
uh, if they keep coming back to this, it, it could really cause a lot of problems. And I think no one knows for sure how it's going to play out legally in the future. And also, I don't think anyone knows how it's going to work in the states. I, I suspect there will be three kinds of states. There will be uh, states with where the governor and the legislature actually want to uh, meet the needs of their citizens, who will say, "Great, this is this is wonderful resources to um, to help us do that." And then there will be um, states that um, you know don't want, really aren't interested in that, and are and are more uh interested in scoring political points and uh they will they will make a big show and i think it'll be some of the usual uh suspect states from you know certain parts of the country especially the south maybe uh who will say no we're making a big show of turning down this extra money and then i think there'll be a third category of states where they'll really um there'll be a real dispute about whether between different basically where there will be uh, people on both sides of that issue and, and there will be a real dispute about whether to, whether to take the money. So and it will get, wor- get worked out in the, through the politics of the states. And so uh, what, we're look- what we're looking at right now then, like if, 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 I, I, I'm just trying to see if I, I, if I still understand this. People, they still have to put the people on Medicaid like, that gets extended. They, they can't not do that, right? Well, no, a state, what the court has said, a state can say we're not going to take the money. Right, but they still have to cover we're, people. We're not interested. What you can't do, what they can't do, is take the money and say, "No, you know what? We've decided we'd rather use this money to do landscaping at the governor's mansion." That mm. they can't do. They they have to take if they take the money, they have to spend it on Medicaid expansion, just as the Affordable Care Act provides. Okay, so that means that they, but they don't actually have like. So if they say they're not going to take the money, that means they don't have to add more people to their Medicaid rolls. Then that's right. Okay, so this so this is going to be the next legal battle in 2014 when the states decide to uh, get froggy and say, well, we're not going to do it because we know some states are going to make a big deal about it. Uh, some states won't. But uh, I know Scotus Blog was saying that they believe that pe- uh, the states are going to take the money. Like they, They're not going to not take this money uh, that's been put to them. But some states are. Some states are going to make a big deal, and this will have to go back to the Supreme Court? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it could it could be uh, it could be a legal issue. I think it certainly is going to be a political issue because uh, you would you would certainly expect that in the states that choose not to take the money, uh, there will there will be people who will say, "Wait a minute, what are what are we doing here? Here's all the people uh, in our state who could be helped, and they and they're not being helped because you're you're trying to score some political point by not taking this money." So. Again, that'll get that'll get fought out in the legislatures and in the in the political process and in, in elections in those states. And it may be that uh, all the people who are who are being denied health care coverage as a result, you know, show up on election day and maybe there's a change in leadership in that state. Mm-hmm. So this that, that that's that's what I, I think is going to be the other thing. That it, the fact is that all of a sudden there's going to be a lot. Of local fights about this in these 19 states, and that's also uh, if, if people really want to push this, they're going to have to actually have to get way more engaged than they were before, possibly, in order to allow them to actually be able to get that money uh, that the states are going to be trying to be funny about uh, throwing away. Interesting. That, that, that's right. I think that's a great point. It's, it's for people who are concerned with with uh, there not being uh, tens of millions of, of Americans who are facing terrible problems in their lives because they don't uh, have health care coverage. Today is a a great day. It's an important victory, but it is far from the the end of the struggle, and people are going to have to uh, stay engaged and, and, as you say, uh, focus on the issue and, and working to keep things moving forward. Indeed, sir. Well, thank you very much for uh, for uh, coming on and, and kind of clearing that up. Is there anything that people aren't talking about that they should be talking about uh, outside of what we've already discussed today? Is there anything that we've been missing that that we're overlooking that's actually going to play a big role in any of this? Well, again, this is it's hard to say for sure, but I think it, it potentially, as a legal matter down the road, the the by by saying that the mandate was not constitutional under the Commerce Clause. It's, I think it's just an open question how uh, people who are opposed to all kinds of economic protections, whether it's environmental protections, uh, health and safety, uh, protections for working people, workplace safety regulations, 
it's a real open question how lawyers who are working to uh, on behalf of powerful interests to get rid of those kind of protections, how they're going to try to use that and how the justices are going to view it when those cases come back before them. So, again, a lot to celebrate in the decision, but certainly some things to keep our eyes on, too. Face down on top of your bed. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Okay, we're starting to see uh, outrageous responses about the Supreme Court's ruling on the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, from the right wing. I have a bunch of these examples to talk to you about. It didn't take long for a former Republican Party spokesperson. This is Matt Davis, a Michigan attorney who was once Michigan's Republican Party spokesman. He says, you know what, this Supreme Court ruling is angering him so much that maybe an armed rebellion would be in order. What's what's better, Lewis, than taking it to uh, violence to get rid of uh, the anger that is presented when people are given health care? Certainly seems to be a popular right-wing sentiment. Yeah, well, that's um, uh, certainly they wouldn't want you to think that. And the uh, he put out this email where he questions whether an armed rebellion would now be justified given the court's decision. And uh, Davis sent this just moments after the Supreme Court issued their, their decision. And it goes on to talk about President Obama's election as the end point of what Davis describes as a 100-year progressive trek to tyranny before questioning whether the best way to turn over the ruling would be via an armed rebellion. Interesting. He says, if government can mandate that I pay for something I don't want, then what is beyond its power? If the Supreme Court's decision Thursday paves the way for unprecedented intrusion into personal decisions, then has the Republic all but ceased to exist? If so, then is armed rebellion today justified? There's an idea getting very, very violent as a response to people being uh, treated somewhat more like human beings. Hmm. by the for-profit healthcare system. Then uh, conservative Ben Shapiro... Not to mention that the members of his armed rebellion would be slaughtered. Uh, And they presumably would need healthcare then. Yes, especially if maimed and they survive. But you won't get it from Republicans. Imagine that, them being treated by the health care plan that they're kill, trying to kill people to, to oppose. We have a fascinating story about that tomorrow. Uh, Conservative Ben Shapiro, we have the tweet up here in the ton if you want to get a look at it. This is the greatest destruction of individual liberty since Dred Scott. This is the end of America as we know it. No exaggeration. Really? The end of America? I mean, all these all these conservatives so angry, Lewis, about this health care reform. Good. I'd say maybe they should move to Canada the way progressives like to threaten to. Except Canada is even more liberal. They wouldn't be happy there. Maybe they. What's a really conservative nation? I mean, maybe like Saudi Arabia, or North Korea, or Iran. Except a lot of those institute when when it's Christian versions of Sharia law. A lot of these Republicans are fine with it. But when they have to deal with the Muslim or the real Sharia law. All of a sudden, they're not that into religion playing a big role in government anymore. Right. Pretty interesting. For the 80% of you who listen to this program via the enhanced version of the show, which supports chapter markers, the following clip will include visual elements. Hello, hello. 
The United States of America is the largest economy in the world, the richest country on the planet. And that sometimes makes it hard to believe that this has to happen here. What brings you here? Uh, I can't afford to go to a regular doctor, and they advertise this on TV, so I called in you know, to get the way I can come get my blood pressure medication done, anti-anxiety medication, that way I can get it refilled. How often do you go to a doctor? <laughs> At least as possible. You yeah. haven't been very often? No, can't afford to go to an emergency room. It costs too much. You drove 200 miles to get here? Yes, sir. And slept in this parking lot for seven or more hours? Yes, sir. Just to have this done? Yes, sir. I've been in some very excruciating pain. There is no shame in seeking health care. No, you're right. You know, it really, I am sad that we are the wealthiest nation in the world and we don't take care of our own. So... But it will be okay. Free clinics like those with Americans lining up for days and at some days camping out for a chance to see a doctor or a dentist because there's no other way in this country to get care. That is hard to understand for the richest country on earth. In Alabama just last month, in a part of the state that's called the Black Belt for its fertile, dark, rich soil, Alabama last month welcomed the United States military to come in and set up a clinic to provide basic health care to Alabama residents. Over less than two weeks, military doctors treated more than 12,000 people, 12,000 Americans, in an area with few doctors and a multitude of medical problems. Aside from general health care screening and nutrition counseling, military doctors are fitting patients for eyeglasses and pulling teeth by the dozens. Because there isn't anywhere else, there isn't any other way for these Americans to get just basic care. We don't have a system for that in America. Part of the reason the military has started doing this kind of thing, not just in Alabama, but in Mississippi and Arkansas and other places, uh, is because it is good training for our military. The Associated Press writing up this event in Alabama, Operation Black Belt, noting that by doing these clinics, our servicemen and women, quote, learn to set up health clinics and other projects and deal with large numbers of people, just as they might do after a natural disaster or in a foreign country. Now, to be clear, we don't have to do foreign disaster aid style clinics like this because there has been some kind of disaster in these places. The disaster here is just the normal status quo. Access to health care in parts of the United States and for many millions of Americans is an appropriate dress rehearsal for the U.S. military training to respond to earthquakes and floods in the developing world. We are a rich country, but we have a really profligate, wasteful, inefficient, poorly run health care system that does not work. And it not only doesn't work for people for whom it doesn't work, it doesn't work for us as a country. I mean, look at this. This is what um, Australia spends per capita on health care and, and Canada as well. Now, uh, I think we've also got Germany and the Netherlands there. Here's New Zealand and the United Kingdom. These are the per capita health care costs. And here's the United States. We spend double what other modern, well-off, industrialized nations spend on health care. And for the privilege of paying twice as much as everybody else, we get something those other countries just don't have. We get 30 million people, people with no health coverage. No access to a regular doctor, no way to get something checked out before it gets serious. Tens of millions of Americans dependent on begging at the emergency room or maybe camping out overnight for charity care. And even if you do have coverage, as a country, we're not getting great care compared to other like countries. We get a worse life expectancy than everybody else. We get fewer doctors per capita. We get fewer hospital beds per capita. We're ranked second to last on quality of care. Part of the reason it's not working right is that the system we have got in our country was never designed to be a system. During World War II, when the nation was 110% devoted to the war effort and industrial production was turning to wartime purposes and wartime wage controls and price controls limited the way that businesses could compete for workers who they desperately needed and who were in short supply, businesses then started offering health insurance as an extra perk to try to attract workers. The idea of the population being insured through private insurance routed through who your employer is, is an accident. Over time, we've kept that accident, and we've tried to patch together fixes to work around the worst implications of that accident. For, for the elderly who aren't working, so they're not going to get covered by any employer, 
we came up with Medicare. For the very poor or for the disabled who also aren't working or who are working at jobs so low wage that they'll never offer benefits, we came up with Medicaid. For veterans to whom the nation promises health care as part of a rather sacred deal we make with them in exchange for them agreeing to die for the country if asked to do so. For veterans, there's the VA health system. For people who get laid off and who are on their way to their next job but they just need a bridge to keep their coverage while they're between employers, a president named Ronald Reagan signed something into law called COBRA. COBRA lets you extend your old health insurance after you've left your old company. For kids who are unlucky enough to have their parents uninsured or to not be covered on their parents' insurance for some reason, there is a health insurance program that's specific to kids. It's called S-CHIP. And all of those fixes arranged by the government, all of those fixes do work in their own way for the people they're designed to serve. Honestly, COBRA kind of sucks because it's really expensive, but everything else works. Medicare in particular is beloved, and it is provided with much lower overhead costs than the private insurance system. But for everybody who's not covered by one of those policy patches that we've come up with, one of those fixes, the system has just been still based on that initial accidental non-system of private insurance through the place where you work. And that system means very, very expensive care. It means out-of-control, rising, and unpredictable costs for American businesses who are providing that coverage, which is a responsibility that, frankly, their international competitors do not have. And for families, or God forbid, for individuals who are trying to find coverage or paying their side of that coverage, costs are just out of control. It is not a real system. It is a crazy quilt patchwork that does not work for the country. Even the people it does work for, it doesn't work for you because of the pointless drag this non-system is on our economy as a country. After Democrats trying and failing to reform this mess in the 1990s and Republicans rejoicing at that failure, and the problem just still getting worse. When the new Democratic president and Congress were elected in 2008, they decided to try again, and they did it. And you know what? They did it in the most conservative way possible. A cautious, centrist, tested approach. They used as a template the Republican plan from 1993, a plan that had been implemented in one U.S. state by the most likely next Republican presidential nominee. But even with all those Republican and bipartisan branches extended, even following the most small-c conservative possible path to reform, they got no Republican help to pass it. Republicans then turned to the conservative majority U.S. Supreme Court, arguing that the policy they themselves had championed for decades should now be seen as unconstitutional, if not tyrannical. Well, today, of course, as you may have heard, uh, the court said no to that. The court put a rest to that. And so we've got reform. We have a restrained, incremental reform that keeps in place that accidental patchwork private insurance system, but reforms it. It essentially trades between the government and those private insurance companies a deal, an, an agreement by the companies to lower costs in exchange for those companies getting millions more customers, millions more people covered by private insurance. It is a pretty small-c conservative reform, but even that was almost politically impossible. Almost. Now, a few practical, pretty non-ideological, forward-thinking states like Vermont and Montana um, have been talking about trying to move their states to an even more cogent system, to a single-payer system that gets rid of the expensive bureaucratic layer of private insurance companies and just essentially expands Medicare to cover everybody. Both of those states, incidentally, uh, border Canada, uh, which has that kind of a system, a single-payer system, and apparently that kind of a system looks good from up close. But for the country as a whole, today was a landmark day. Today was a victory for policy, for the now apparently totally partisan notion that if we see problems, systemic problems in our country, we should try to solve them using our constitutional small-d democratic representative American system of government. It was a historic plan-a-flag, state-your-position day today, a declaration that politics is for something other than just for fighting. It's for policy. It is for trying to tackle and surmount even our most entrenched problems. Now, politically today, there is, of course, a freakout on the right. There is much strategizing on the left. We'll have much more on that to come over the course of this hour. Institutionally, the court itself has avoided what looked like an impending crisis of caricatured, raw partisanship in that branch of government. But big picture, on a historic day, it's worth looking at the biggest possible picture, right? And big picture, this is a simple, strong, good thing. If you believe in the simple, strong, good idea, 
that as a country, we can solve our problems through the American system that we've got. We can solve problems using what the founders gave us, which is a constitutionally defined representative system of, yes, government, through which we shape solutions. The political process, for all of its nonsense and static, is here to produce policy. Policy to solve problems, even the big problems. Thanks for listening, everyone. So many, many people over the past several years have been witness to me waxing philosophic about how just amazing the world is, about how just just about anything that you uh, could care to want or decide to invent or anything like that, any idea. I mean, you've, you've all heard the idea that uh, there's no such thing as, as an original idea. You know, all of those things, anything you could possibly want probably already exists. And thanks to the information age, it not only exists, but it's available to purchase, you know, with you know just a Google search away. And the uh, the example that I always use when I uh, start talking about this is a few years ago I was living in an apartment that didn't have a dishwasher, and so as anyone would, you know, I got tired of washing all the dishes by hand after a while, and so I invented the countertop dishwasher. I figured there has to be. A solution for this because no one likes washing dishes by hand. So there's probably a box that has like rubber hoses that you would then plug in to your faucet in the kitchen and turn on the faucet to provide the water. And then the uh, countertop dishwasher could wash your dishes without having to be built into the whole thing. And so as anyone would, I just Googled countertop dishwasher. And of course, of course, countertopdishwashers.com was the first selection. I actually just checked it right now and it's no longer a, you know, valid uh, URL, but it was totally active. <laughs> they they were selling countertop dishwashers 5 years ago. And so this is always sort of the quintessential example of the magical world of the information age that we live in right now. And so uh, you know, tangentially related to the countertop dishwasher is the mathematical principle that I invented in my commentary on the last episode. So I did this commentary. I was talking about this article about uh, conservatives who were so angry about Obamacare passing the Supreme Court that they were going to move to Canada. And isn't that funny how stupid those conservatives are? And I said, I don't believe it. I don't think that anyone is that stupid. Uh, definitely not you know, any majority of people by, by a long shot. And so I just did the research on all these people who had tweeted about moving to Canada and found that only 20% of the people referenced were even conservative, much less, you know, they may have been joking to begin with rather than being stupid. And so very tongue in cheek, I declared that I had created a new formula for figuring out some degree, like how much bullshit there is in, uh, you know, political commentary or whatever. And so I said, look, that's it. I'm calling it 80-20 rule. 20% at max, 20% of the people who we think are as dumb as uh, you know as we say they are, maybe 20% of those people are that dumb. There's no way that the other 80% are actually as dumb as we fear they are. And so we should stop talking about them that way because it gives this crazy skewed notion of, of who the, these people are in the country. It's just – it's the 20 percent that are the loudest. That's the problem. So at the end of the commentary, I asked the audience to give some suggestions to, for a name to this new principle because I just invented it. And so you know it should have a name and I didn't have time to name it myself. And so you know I got some suggestions on, on what to name it. But what I also got, because I have a brilliant audience, is this email from Anne letting me know, uh, well, I'll just read it. She says, I heard you talking about your 80-20 equation, and you asked for ideas to name it. It already exists as a principle in statistics, manufacturing, and marketing. It's called the Pareto Principle, and here's a website that explains the underlying reasoning. So, of course, it totally exists. It's on Wikipedia. It's everywhere else. And so the, the basic idea is that there are uh, – it was sort of initially invented when this guy, uh, Vilfredo Pareto, 
uh, discovered in uh, his home country of Italy that 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the population. And then the principal stuck when he discovered in a totally other realm that 80% of his peas in his garden were produced by 20% of the pea pods. And so, and then just on and on and on. It's like all of these things aren't related, but this 80-20 rule keeps coming up over and over and over again. So just as I didn't really invent the countertop dishwasher, it turns out I didn't really invent the 80-20 rule either. Uh, But thanks to the uh, amazing information age and my brilliant listeners, we now know that it turns out my rule already has a name, the Pareto Principle. And so to extend that theory, I believe that 80% of conservative stupidity comes from just 20% of actual conservatives who are the loudest and are actually that that dumb, and, uh, and and the rest are not nearly as bad as we think. So that's it for today. If you'd like to comment on this or anything else, maybe the Supreme Court decision on healthcare, etc., the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Thanks to everyone who helps support the show by becoming a member or one-time donor. That is absolutely how the show survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, and especially by sharing individual clips you particularly like through your social networks or by email. All of that can be done through the website. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All that information is always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought of black and